0: That is who you are. Family, can we all bow our heads in prayer? Father in heaven, you have gathered us. You are moving in our midst. What a privilege that we have to delight in your love. You have a hard word for us today. It's a word that you're still teaching me, even as I am sharing the message you placed in my mind and my heart. Stretch all of us in the right places. Give us greater perspective. Give us the humility we need to bow before you in repentance. Lord, we pray that your spirit fills all of us. That the utterances of my mouth, you will use to inspire hearts, minds, and souls. Lord, teach us to love your ways and your truth. Make your power known as we meditate on your word today. Let us be drawn to you through your word and receive the salvation that comes from your only son, Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may all be seated. Welcome, family. Welcome, whether you're joining us online or here in person. It's so great to see you. It's so great to see all of you. So if you're joining us online, please hit that chat function. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to connect with you. This weekend, we're doing something a little different. We're actually pausing our parable series in Luke, and we're going to jump ahead to our series that was supposed to start next week um, and look into the book of Psalms. And next week, I promise you, we will wrap up our parable series. So join us back for that next week. Um, And then the following week, we will be back in our Psalms series. Okay, to begin, I want to give you an overview of the Psalms, because if you're anything like me, You've never sat and read the entire book of Psalms in one sitting. Am I correct? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Right? It's 150 chapters, and if you were able to do that, kudos to you. I am going to clap, golf clap, okay? That's great. I have not been able to do that in my entire life. The last 20 years as a Christian, I haven't been able to read the book of Psalms in one sitting. In fact, the fastest I've ever read it was it took me about a month, maybe 40 days or so. Um, it was like two chapters, three chapters a day. And the reason I'm sharing that with you is because if you're like me, what you do in the book of Psalms is you pick and choose. You pick and choose a psalm that best fits your heart and your needs that day. If you're out of words, you pick and choose a psalm. And if it works for you in that particular moment, that's your psalm. You sing it, you say it, you memorize it, you repeat it over and over and over until it stops being your psalm. Am I correct? Yes, I know right? And that's okay. That That's no shame. There, There's no shame in that. That's what the Psalms are for. But the reason I am telling you that there is a reason we need to sit in one sitting or close to one sitting and read it from beginning to end is because what we find out when we read it from chapter 1 to a chapter 150 is that there is a single meta-narrative flowing through each verse, in each poem, in each Psalm, right? It's amazing how there's one story. And the story goes from how can I, being a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, a faithful follower of God, live in a wicked and broken world? How can I live? How can I live like this when my heart aches for people, when my heart breaks for the things that I see and I witness? How can I live when I'm standing here, when I'm sitting here, and God, it seems like you're not doing anything? And then it transitions slowly, one chapter after the next, and it goes to. God, I see your Savior. I see Jesus Christ. Not only do I see Jesus Christ, but I see Him coming down, healing the broken, fixing the lost, and making your kingdom known on this broken earth. Right? And that's the beauty of it, right? This is the beauty of the book of Psalms. It's not just a hymn book. It's a guide to our souls, to our hearts, to prayers that we don't even know how to pray. Asking God to do things that we never imagined us asking. So in the 150 poems or psalms that make this book, there's really two general categories. One is a category of lament. And lament goes like this. It expresses pain and confusion and anger. And it says, God, look at this problem here. Look at that what I'm facing. And it says, God, do something. Do something, please do something. And then on the other side, the other category in the Psalms is praise. God, thank you for what you're doing in this world. Thank you for allowing me to witness your glory, your majesty. Let me celebrate. Let me celebrate with joy. Let me retell of what you have done. Thank you, Lord. And it's amazing that all 150 Psalms fit in one of these two categories. Because when we start in chapter one of the book of Psalms, We find it begins with a lot of lamenting. And because it laments and it laments and it laments, you're kind of saddened by it. But that's the truth and that's our reality, isn't it? We're saddened by the world. We know we're here living in it, but we're not citizens of it. And finally, 150 chapters later, praise God. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. It concludes in chapter 150, verse 6. The very last chapter. What's more interesting about the Psalms is how it's organized, right? Because it goes from lots of lamenting to lots of praise. And there are five books contained within the book of Psalms. And it starts from book one through book five. And it almost looks like it's mirroring the law of God, the first five books of the Bible. And You know, it was done that way intentionally, and the intention is this. No matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, we will always lament in this world, but there will always be reason to praise, to praise God, because as the psalm ends, it ends with praise God. Praise God. And here's my big idea today. We gather to delight in his words. You see, this series that we've titled Assembly Required, it's here to reinforce our conviction that when we gather together, whether we're here in person or online, when we gather and we make it a priority, we will take pleasure in God's word. We take pleasure in God's word and we say, praise the Lord because of everything he has done, everything he is doing, and everything he will do, and that's where our hope is. And we say this until we are out of breath. So, having said all those things about the psalm, it takes us to chapter 1. Psalm 1. And here's what we're going to do in Psalm 1 because Psalm 1 is so rich. I am going to use Psalm 1 as a tool to help us see what we prioritize in our lives. Not only what we see in our lives and how we prioritize our lives, but to confront whether our practice of faith is hypocritical or if it's true. And I prayed, I prayed, I prayed that he will show you what God is working in my own heart, right? This this is a a sermon of confession today, all right? I'm going to be very vulnerable with you today, right? Because I want you to see how God is working this psalm into my heart. So let's go. Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of God and he on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This psalm has two main characters. You can catch it in verse 6. You have the righteous and you have the wicked. Everything that the psalmist is talking about, the writer is talking about, is about these two characters. All right, And I want you to get that. All people, all people according to him, belong in one of these two categories. And there's nothing in between. And I know that's vastly different from what we know in real life, because in real life, there's lots of gray. But in the world of psalmist, there's either the righteous and there's the wicked. And so these categories, they're not moral performance categories. It doesn't mean that the righteous person is someone who prayed seven days this week or read his Bible or read her Bible every single morning, right? That's not what this is. The righteous are people who have embraced God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And you can catch that in Psalm chapter two, verse 12, and I'm not going to go there, but you can see it, right? Um, And conversely, the wicked, the wicked are people who don't believe in Jesus as their savior. So these two categories, they're, they're actually categories of belonging. You either belong to the righteous or you belong to the wicked. And so here's the problem with saying that. Here's the problem. We can be saved. We can say, I have faith in Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. And yet we can still live a life that looks like the wicked, right? I know when I'm driving sometimes, I know there's wickedness in me because I am yelling, right? And my wife can tell you, why are you yelling? And he she will tell you, right? I have ungodly anger. And it doesn't matter if the roads are empty. It just bothers me. It bothers me without no end. I become very wicked, right? Um, and that's just the truth. And I'm sure all of us, if we've lived and walked in our faith long enough, we have moments where our wickedness comes out where what we say about our faith isn't actually happening. We actually do the opposite. And that's really the problem, right? And as your pastor, I'm going to tell you sometimes my life practice of my faith doesn't reflect what I say I believe. Right? That, that's the truth, right? That, that's the broken person that I am, all right? And this psalm is challenging me, and it's going to challenge all of us to look at our lives and question where our priorities are. Because when we can answer where our priorities are, We can answer whether our practice of faith is really true or not. And if you need to look further than this psalm, look into your own lives. The last two months, the last three months when we were ordered to stay at home, where did you spend your time? How did you spend your stimulus money? Right? Because that will show us where our priorities are. If it already hasn't. Let's go back to verse 1 and 2, okay? Before I make this really super awkward. Verse 1 and 2. Verses 1 and 2, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffer, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And these two verses, I'm going to make this very simple, right? He's basically saying the person who is blessed, the person who is blessed is someone who is meditating on the law of God or the person who is delighting in it. And vice versa, the person who is not blessed then, therefore, is someone who does not delight in the law of God, who is not meditating on it day and night. And I want you to change that word, blessed, because blessed is a very Christianese word, and it really means nothing in today's world, right? Blessed, right? We say, bless you after you sneeze. It means nothing, right? It means nothing. And so change that word blessed to how happy. And then read it again, and you'll see, Happy is the man. Happy is the man who delights in the law of God. Happy is the man who meditates on the law of God day and night. Happy. And that's my first point. The word brings blessing or happiness. I want you to understand the correlation here. And the correlation is this. In order to be happy in life, we have to be meditating on the word of God. Bottom line. Right? So simple, so easy, right? But we know that's not true. We know we don't do that. I can tell you, I don't do that. When the governor said, hey, everyone stay at home, that was like March, middle of March, something, right? Guess what I did? You're not so holy, Pastor. Yep, yep. He, he went to Netflix, he went to Hulu, he went to Disney, Plus and looked for everything he hasn't watched ever, right? Because you can do that now, right? Um, and so I put everything on this list and, you know, my wife can tell you. And then we started watching because guess what? I'm not going to work. I can work from home so I don't have to commute, right? I can work whenever I want because we have this flexible schedule. I'll watch TV around the baby's nap times, I said, right? And so I started downloading and looking and reading and seeing all this stuff, TV, that I've missed the last 20 years of my life. Every show I never wanted to watch when it was happening, I decided, hey, it was a great show to watch now. But did it make me happy? Absolutely not. In fact, it frustrated me. And I was like, why did I just waste, what, 24 hours of my life watching that season of whatever I was watching? It doesn't make sense. And at the end of it all, what happens? I sit there and I go, man, I'm still unhappy. I am still unhappy. My happiness, my, my entertainment, my crave to say that my happiness will come from my entertainment, it was wrong. It didn't do anything for me. And, and I know a lot of us are like that too because you and I are both human. We're human. And so what we, we are told by the world is we need to look for happiness somewhere else. Outside of us, outside of God, outside of who created us. We have to look for happiness in esports, right? And I know some of you you're really into that because you wanted to be superstars, right? sports athletes, but you were never good enough at basketball or football. So you get a video game, put it in between your fingers and you play from your mom's basement and that makes you happy for a moment when you beat that six year old in that video game, right? But you will never be a superstar that will never fill you. That will never fill you up. And maybe 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 that's not you. that that video game craze that's that's for younger people. Maybe you're into RVs, ATVs, motorbikes, boats, and you're into all of that. And you bought it because when we were ordered to stay at home, you were bored out of your mind and you said, well, I'm going out to the lake where there's nobody or to, you know, the forest and, you know, I'm going to ride these things and that's going to make me happy. But at the end of it all, after you paid the insurance off, you're like, I am unhappy. My insurance premium junk. How unhappy am I? And you come home again to a family, to a house, and the situation makes you more unhappy. And see, people, what we what we come to realize is that there is no happiness outside the Word of God. There is no happiness there because what we think we're pursuing to make us happy really just helps us avoid our unhappiness. The things that make us unhappy. And so that's really the problem. The psalmist knows that. In fact, the psalmist says, to be truly happy, to be blessed, the light in the word of God. The light in the word of God. Meditate on it day and night. And so what does that mean, right? What does that mean when the shininess of the things that we pursue run out? It means that our priorities were messed up in the first place. That when our happiness should have been coming from Jesus and the word of God, we have been trying to get happiness somewhere else. And so our way of living is by taking advice of people who don't know what happiness is, people who've never placed their faith in Jesus. We, the way we operate are the way people live who are condemned to an eternity without God. But that shouldn't be how we prioritize life, should it? We, our complaints shouldn't be louder than the pundits on TV. Yet they're sharper, they hurt more. And you ask yourself, well, where is my priority? Because if my priority was on the Word of God, I would be blessed. I would be happy. Not because we're going to become millionaires or billionaires by reading the Word of God, but because I will see the source of my happiness. And that source of happiness does not change. It didn't change yesterday. It didn't change today. It didn't change tomorrow. And it will never change because it doesn't matter. None of that matters. What matters is Jesus Christ. What matters is God. And when we anchor ourselves to Him, Happiness will be part of our lives. You see, that's part of the reason we exist as a church, isn't it? We exist as this church because we want to help each other prioritize the Word of God. And so week after week, we gather together and center our services, center our worship experiences on this Word of God because we know that's where true happiness comes from. We want you to delight in the Word of God. We, We don't want it that where you open the Bible and you just don't get joy out of it, right? And when you don't get joy out of the Bible and you don't read it, you you have to ask yourself, why? Why am I anchoring my hope somewhere else? And so when I read the word of God, there's such a disconnect with my life that it means nothing. Because if that's the case, we have to ask ourselves, where are we? Are we righteous? Are we wicked? Where do we belong? I want to go to verse 3 and 4. And it goes like this. He is like a tree. And the author is talking about the blessed person here. Planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff. The wind drives away. You see, the life of a person who has the right priorities, is like this tree, is like this tree planted by streams of water. With fruit that is growing, where the leaves on this tree don't turn and wither, they're always green. But the person, the life of a person who is not, with the wrong priorities, is like chaff, it's like, like dust, it gets blown away. And so if, if you've ever had faith and you've lost faith or you feel like you lost faith and you've lost connection with God and you feel like God is so distant, ask yourself, what was the reason for that? Because this psalm makes it clear. These two verses make it very clear. Are you planted by the stream of water, the source of water? Because I guarantee you, if you were like me and you gave your life to Jesus Christ at an early age, and then you walked away, or you thought you were walking away, you ask yourself, well, why did I walk away? Why did it feel like believing in Jesus was a fairy tale? And it becomes all too clear because I disconnected myself from the Word of God. If you've ever had a season in your life where your faith felt like it was dying, was it because you walked away from the Word of God? Was it because when you opened that Bible, it meant nothing? Because you got no joy out of it. Because in your ear was whispering something a wicked person was saying. Something somebody who didn't believe and didn't put their faith in Jesus was saying. This psalm, it's so clear. It asks us, where are our priorities? Where is your priority? And if you want to live your life filled with faith, like this tree that is fruitful, producing fruit, then we need to prioritize what we need to do to plant ourselves. You see, this is my second point. The word brings fruitfulness. Verse 3 is a promise from God. If you want a life filled with fruit like this verse says, then we need to meditate on the word of God. We have to allow it to transform us. We have to allow it to go from seedling, and not wither away because we're dying in, in drought. To be filled by it. To allow the water, the living water of Jesus Christ fills our lifeblood. You see, the power of God's word sustains us. Right? That's the truth. That's the truth. And I and I have this word, and I, I think it's for someone here today. If you're up against something and you feel like you're prioritizing things in your life or reactions to counter the fear that you're feeling or that feeling of a loneliness, I, I want you to know that this is not your last stand. This is not your last stand because I can tell you right now you need to be prioritizing the word of God in your life. Because when you do that, you will be rooted in that stream of water. God will provide. God will see you through the wind and the howling that you are feeling in your life. It will mean nothing. You'll be planted right there in the word of God. God fueling you. You will not be blown away. Family, that's a promise from God. If you prioritize the word of God, you will not be moved. You will be like this tree planted by the stream of water. Your life will be life-giving. Share that. Share that truth. Share that truth not only to yourself but to the people around you because they need to hear it. You see, no pandemic, no social unrest, no bad economy, no election, no geopolitics, no you fill in the blank will change or blow us away when we are rooted in the word of God. I guarantee it. That's God's promise right here in the psalm. Here's my third comparison, verse 5 and 6. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You see, the author uses that word, wicked, as if The wicked will not stand in judgment, but the way of the righteous is known. And I want you to see this, right? Because this is a comparison of destination if the wind is not going to blow, if life is not going to tear us apart from where being rooted in the word of God, when we are in the word of God, then you have to know we have a final destination. Our destination does not end with us dying. That tree never dies, does it? That tree stays planted there. Its fruit is always growing. Its leaves don't wither. We are not worthless pieces of dirt ready to be blown away. But I got to add. Who can stand before God? Who can stand? You and I, apart from ourselves, apart from Jesus, left to our own devices, we're like chaps. But Jesus, Jesus can stand before God. Jesus stood in our place on Calvary. And it's when we put our faith in Jesus, we stand in judgment as righteous. You see, that's the good news. We're made righteous because Of what we believe. Jesus lived, died, and was resurrected. So that we could stand in judgment. So that we can be found righteous. Righteous children of God. That's my third point. The word brings salvation. Here's what verse 5 is promising us. Not only will God walk with us. But he knows where we're going. He knows where we're headed. You see, Jesus is that man. That's described in the psalm. The psalmist didn't know it but we know it. He's the only one who has fully, completely, and perfectly not walked in the counsel of the wicked. He's the one who's delighted in the God's law. He meditated on God's word day and night. And Jesus is the tree that's planted by streams of water who yields fruit in season. Just look, he died 2,000 years ago. He was resurrected three days after that. And 2,000 years later, we are here, God's children because we believe it. That's fruitfulness. Jesus is the one whose leaf doesn't wither. You see, death couldn't keep him. Death couldn't hold him. Death couldn't keep him dead. Everything he did is fruitful. Everything he is doing is fruitful. So let me ask, are we prioritizing our relationship with Jesus? I have to tell you, We must and we should. If we haven't, if we walked away, if we've wandered, look introspectively. Look within yourself and ask, what do I have to do to prioritize my relationship with Jesus? Because that is what's going to keep us. That is what's going to hold us. That is what is going to get us through. You see, when we do that, God becomes intimately aware of us. When we ask God, know my comings and goings, God, know the burdens of my heart, Jesus responds. He makes our life prosperous. There is no wasted moment. There is no wasted time. Because everything that we do when we are rooted in Jesus is fruitful. Listen, I said earlier that I gave my life to Jesus 20-something years ago as a high schooler. And I had no idea that when I was cutting school, and I gave my life to Jesus that he would bring me to this place. No idea. How could I? I can't see the destination. I had no idea when I was going through the troubles I was going through, when I was doubting myself, when I was doubting that I even had a future, when I was doubting that I could become anything, that I could even be worthy, God had a plan. God got me through. Not because I willed it, not because I did it, not because I earned it, but because of who he is, but because of who I am, his child, his son. And that is enough for me. That is enough for me to be happy. That is enough for me to say my life is prosperous. And I'm telling you, that's enough for you because Jesus never fails. God never fails. You see, Jesus is in the business of transformation. He transforms our hearts, our minds, our souls. He causes us to belong to his family. And that's wonderful. That's amazing. I want all of us to enjoy the blessings of God, the nourishment of spiritual flourishing, and the security of Christ's salvation together. I want you to make your relationship with Jesus a priority. And if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer now. And church, I want you to join me. Join me in praying this prayer. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner, a wicked human being whose life has been marked and is marked by unhappiness, destruction, and death. I believe that you save me through my faith in your son, Jesus. I ask that you make me new that you give me the right priorities to seek you day and night. Father, please grant in all of us a renewed hunger and delight in your word. Move in your heart that we may delight in your word. Free us from chasing happiness and things that are not you. Renew passion within us so that we can meditate on your word. Forgive me for conforming to the ways of this world from departing from you, for accepting the world's advice, being part of doing business with the same attitudes of this world that are ungodly, uncharacteristic of love. God, keep us from allowing worldly value and worldly thinking. Prioritize our decisions and filling our lives. Transform our priorities, God. Allow us to be rooted in your word so that when the wicked come and their ways try to blow us away, we can stay true. We can stay firm in our true love. Thank you. Thank you for being that blessed man and allowing us to obey you and to delight in your unfailing love. Lord, thank you for identifying with us calling each, your son, your daughter, making us acceptable in your sight. Lord, as we leave this place, fill us, fill us with your character, fill us with your peace, fill us with your strength. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.